0: The Word of God, which we will consider for our devotion this morning, is recorded in Psalm 42. They're reading verses 1 through 5, using the Evangelical Heritage Version. As a doe pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and appear before God? My tears have been food for me day and night, while people are saying to me all day, where is your God? I am overcome by my emotions whenever I remember these things, how I used to arrive with the crowd as I led the procession to the house of God with loud shouts of thanksgiving, with the crowd celebrating the festival. Why are you so depressed, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise him for salvation from his presence. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth, amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, you and I share something in common with the writer of this ancient text from the book of Psalms. Like him, each one of us has a present and a past and a future. And most importantly, with the psalm writer, we give thanks that each of those facets of our lives have been transformed by God's salvation in Christ. The present. The time of the writing was a miserable time for the psalm writer. He was exiled far from his home, now living as a prisoner in Babylon. He was experiencing profound homesickness. The psalmist doesn't mention how much he misses his friends and his family back home or how much he misses the familiarity of his house or his mother's cooking or his dog, or his friend circle. He may have well missed all of those things, but to his credit, more than anything, he misses worshiping his God, the one true God of Israel, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he cries, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and appear before God? To make matters worse, the people around him, those who know his sorrow and his homesickness, are not sympathetic. He receives no pats on the shoulder or words of encouragement or comfort. He says, my tears have been food for me day and night, while people are saying to me all day, where is your God? His captors view this really as just another chance to pile on his misery with more ridicule. If he's homesick for his God, they ask, then why doesn't God draw near and give him consolation? What kind of an ineffective and uncaring God must this be? You and I are not exiles living among our captors. Yet there are times when we also feel far removed from God. This is a byproduct of the fall into sin. Whether modern men and women will acknowledge it, we're all prone to this homesickness for God. For our sins cause a separation between us. The early church father St. Augustine prayed, "O God, thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless" until they find their rest in thee. The devil, by his temptations, makes us feel especially far removed from God, far from home as he tempts us to sin and then afterwards causes us to despair by thinking that we can never return. We feel the guilt of our sins and are left feeling lost and all alone and permanently estranged from God. Our Lord Jesus' parable of the prodigal son is a perfect antidote to this loneliness and homesickness. You remember that story our Lord taught. Having burned through his inheritance on a sinful way of life, the prodigal thinks of his home and his father, and he wonders if he can somehow go back. And he'll gladly do so, not as a privileged son any longer, but just as a hired hand. So he starts out. Jesus describes the sweet and unexpected reunion, which culminates with the joyous father directing the servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Then they began to celebrate. Like the psalm writer, you and I also have a past. Some things from our past we don't want to remember. Maybe it's a particular sin that brought real harm to someone else or put real shame upon us. When the memory of that sin surfaces, we try our best to change the channel, to move on to other subjects. Other memories, though, hold a special place in our hearts, and we're sometimes overcome as we remember that particular family reunion or that peaceful conclusion to a dispute with an old friend or that success we enjoyed over some long-dreaded test or struggle. So the psalm writer speaks of his past, saying, I'm overcome by my emotions whenever I remember these things, how I used to arrive with the crowd as I led the procession to the house of God with loud shouts of thanksgiving with the crowd celebrating the festival. He remembers this part of his past, not just as a participant, but one who actually led others in going to worship. He remembers hearing the fervent shouts and songs and praises to God for the gift of salvation as he and his friends would make their way into the temple for worship. This is a warm and comforting memory from the psalm writer's past. We know that God is surely with us every day to bless us in every way. But it is in the hearing of his word and in receiving the Lord's body and blood in holy communion that he wants us to find our particular joy and solace. In those means of grace, he promises to come to us and to deal with us according to his mercy for the sake of Jesus, who made his life the perfect sacrifice for ours in dying on the cross. How great it is to gather with our fellow believers and to be assured along with them that through Christ we are saved from sin and death and Satan's power. And this means that just like the psalm writer, you and I have a future. He speaks of his future. Why are you so depressed, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise him for salvation from his presence. His circumstances as a captive and an exile worked in the psalmist a a depression. Things looked hopeless. Maybe he'd never get to go home again. It seemed that whatever future he was facing would be only a continuation of his current sorrow and regret. We also are subject to times like that, to bouts of sadness and despair. We look around at the troubles in our own lives, our own private challenges, and we look around at the troubles in the world, and we count the pandemic, and the cultural turmoil raging in parts of our country, and the civil unrest that surrounds our presidential election, and then the economic worries that spring out of all these other issues. Not to mention that the Farmer's Almanac has predicted for us a colder and snowier winter than usual. So we don't see very much on the horizon sometimes which looks favorable to us. That's when we also, like the psalm writer, need to speak frankly to ourselves and to each other and remember that we have a magnificent future ahead of us. It may not be counted that way by the world and by those who are suspicious of God and of his will, but for us who repent of our sins And hear and trust in the gospel of Jesus we know that our future is bright indeed being saved from our sins through faith in Jesus we know that we're saved from the punishment of hell and saved for a precious inheritance with God and so we give thanks every day for this gift of salvation it means that now in our present we are with God all the time that he's with us to help us and bless us. It means that we have joy when we think about our past and how God always kept his promises to us. And it means our future is the same one that the dying criminal had as he received this assurance from Jesus next to him on the cross. I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen.